Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. And this is a podcast that I do not think anyone, especially on the BFW staff, expected me to be doing today. Just a stunning, stunning turn of events. If you don't know by now, oh, you missed a hell of a day. Bayern Munich dropped a 3-1 decision to Arbe Leipzig. And this really could be the match that cost Bayern Munich winning the Bundesliga title. Of course, this kind of all goes back to that fateful decision to fire Julian Nagelsmann when the club was in a position to at least compete for three three titles, three trophies, I should say. Now there is a legitimate possibility, barring a complete and utter collapse from Borussia Dortmund, which of course is a possibility, uh, that Bayern Munich will come out of this season with no trophies. That's right, none. It's not written yet. This whole story is not finalized. Nothing is set in stone but things are not looking good for Bayern Munich. This was a very, very disappointing showing from the Bavarians. Uh, it was so bad, in fact, that many fans left the grounds before the match was over. It was very frustrating. This Bayern Munich team appeared to, I don't want to say quit midway through the match, but they certainly let up. Their energy level was visibly down after halftime. Meanwhile, Arbe Leipzig picked its own intensity up and in a very, very weird way, it was Conrad Leimer, the future Bayern Munich midfielder who might have helped drive the stake through Bayern Munich's heart for the season. Let's get started with our recap and then I'll give you some thoughts on how this one all played out. If you're a Bayern Munich fan, you're going to be really, really angry with, with this if you have not seen the game. If you did see it, commiserate with me because you know misery loves company right now and this was a miserable miserable loss let's look at the starting lineup uh thomas tuchel had some interesting selections for the starting 11 and to be honest it looked like it was going to work out really well uh it was functioning it was a 4-2-3-1 uh it did not have a true striker top the formation we'll talk about that in a second but things were working well the team was flowing Offensively, they were attacking, and there was really no serious threat uh, on the defense. So things were looking great early. Of course, that all changed after halftime. So Tuchel selected Jan Sommer in net. And, I, and I'm going to tell you this. Jan Sommer played his ass off in this match. He was great. Byron hung him out to dry several times. He made a couple of great saves. Two of the goals were PKs. So I, I don't fault. Jan Summer in this. And I know that there will be some pundits out there that probably take some shots at him, but I thought he had a really fantastic match and kept Byron in this when it really could have been a blowout in the second half. The back line consisted of Matthijs De Ligt and Benjamin Pavar at center back, Usar Mizrawi and Jao Cancelo at the outside back positions. The midfield was Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. The attack consisted of Jamal Musiala at the 10. Serge Gnabry over at left wing, Kingsley Coman at right wing, and Thomas Muller atop the formation as a striker. As we all know, Muller is not a natural striker, but I thought he did fairly well today in helping create offense. The problem was the attack functioned like an offense that had two attacking midfielders instead of a focal point striker, which Bayern Munich, for whatever reason, cannot seem to get that together. If I had my druthers, I don't know that I would have changed much about this starting 11, except I would have probably shifted Musiala out to the wing, 
played Muller as the 10 and put Gnabry atop the formation, I think that would have probably worked a little bit better, but that's hindsight is 2020, right? Uh, I'm saying that, I mean, I was thinking that before the match, it's what I would have done, but Tuchel had his reasons. I do wonder why Nagelsmann and Tuchel both were reluctant to play Musiala on the wing when he has proven to be so successful there. Is this something that the club is driving because they know Musiala is going to be the 10 of the future? Is this something that the player does not want to do and 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 maybe they don't want to risk making him unhappy? I don't know. I would like to really know that. I hope someone, one of the writers, will ask that question this week. And frankly, I don't know why it hasn't been asked yet when it seems to make so much sense to use him as a wing to help get him out of his funk. And again, it's not that Musiala was terrible on the day, but he had some opportunities to finish and he is still, you know, he's still in that funk that he's been in since the world cup. So uh, either way, Bayern Munich did not get the results that it wanted for sure. And uh, let's just jump into it and run down how this all played out. If you, <laughs> if you have not uh, seen the game yet, it, this is going to be a bit painful. Uh, things started out well. I thought Byron looked really fresh. They looked very energetic. They were really attacking consistently in the first half, and eventually it paid off when Thomas Muller fed in uh, Serge Gnabry on a great little diagonal run toward the net. Gnabry had found Vili Orban's blind side because he had spun Orban a, li a little bit. Then Gnabry hammered the shot near post and it pinged off one goal post to another. 1-0, Bayern was up. Things were looking great. The team was really dominating the match. Jao Cancelo was putting on a show, working up the left flank. Now, his defense wasn't great, but he was really dominating from that position offensively. That would not be the case in the second half. In the first half, he was pretty spectacular. After that, Bayern Munich went into the uh, went to the locker room, and it was 1-0, and I think everybody was pretty confident about how this was going to play out. Bayern had looked really, really good. Leipzig looked like it had nothing in the tank. It really did look like they were just playing for a draw, hoping they could get the next week where I believe they faced Schalke, and they would be able to control their own destiny with a victory. Now they don't have to worry about it because they are in the Champions League. So kudos to them. They accomplished their goal. Coming out of halftime, Marco Rosa made a key switch. I took out Simicon, who I thought was pretty reckless in the first half. I thought he deserved a card for the aerial duel on Jao Cancelo. I thought the way he led with his head, I thought that was a really careless way to approach that particular situation. I thought he should have been carded. He was not. Either way, he was not really playing that well. So <laughs> Rosa brought in one of uh, Germany's uh, most targeted players in terms of uh, gaining frustration from fans of the German national team, Benjamin Heinrichs, who uh, actually came in and did a really good job and stabilized things uh, for RB Leipzig on the back line. So kudos to Heinrichs, who came in and just did a good job. Uh, but things really did fall apart <laughs> a little bit later. The 65th minute, Yeshua Kimmich lined up for a corner. And if you have read BFW of late, you saw the analysis that, that we covered. I believe it was a, initially a kicker report about Bayern Munich's failures on set pieces. Kimmich being one of uh, the primary targets of that piece. Another corner that did not pan out it led to a quick counterattack. I believe it was Leon Goretzka had been taken out in the box, which... I mean, I, I think you could argue that there was some contact there and maybe 
on a different day that would have been whistled, but it was not. Led to a quick counterattack and Conrad Limer driving up the field. He eventually fed a pass to Nkunku, who it looked like he was trying to thread another pass in that got blocked out. Right to Limer, who fired in a shot. It was a terrific shot, a terrific overall play from Limer, who uh, in my mind, he, he wasn't great for the entirety of the match, but he uh, he did a very good job in the second half in helping his team uh, really take the match over. I, I was a little bit uh, surprised at how well Limer played in the second half there because he really did assert himself and, and might have been Leipzig's best player there. Just nonstop energy. Uh, a lot of hunger, and and he was aggressive. And I think that if he can bring that to the table next season at Bayern Munich, he'll quickly become a fan favorite. But uh, that is a conversation for another time. 1-1 off the goal from Limer. Uh, 68th minute, Joshko Garvidal picked up a yellow card. So that was uh, interesting because Leipzig had begun to get a little bit more physical. They had begun to be a little bit more tactical with their fouls. This was definitely something that you could see the uptick in them believing in themselves. And, and honestly, uh, the overall energy level of the squad really just rose after the Limer goal. 69th minute, we did see Rosa go to his bench. Kevin Campbell and Emil Forsberg both came on. Then we saw Thomas Tuchel react to that when he brought in Ryan Gravenberg for Leon Goretzka, Leroy Sané for Serge Gnabry. So both coaches decided to go to their bench how would it work out not great for Bayern Munich I know Goretzka got it will probably get hammered for part of this game I thought he made some fine defensive plays in the first half I didn't think he was nearly as bad as some of the people out online did um either way it doesn't matter because when he left the match it became a freeway up the middle uh Gravenberg is not known for his defense and you have to question Tuchel right there because I don't know I don't know what he expected to come out of that. I mean, you took out Gretzka, who is at least a little bit more aware of his defensive responsibilities for a midfielder who has been nothing but criticized for his lack of defensive awareness. And it, it hurt. It definitely hurt. It wasn't the, the, listen, it wasn't the reason Bayern Munich lost the match, but it definitely did not help the situation as Bayern needed a victory. They did not need a draw. So at that point, I didn't really understand that. Sané coming in for Gnabry. Um, listen, Gnabry after the goal had not really done that much. Uh, I had no problem with that. Uh, Sané did have an opportunity later in the half. He had the ball on his left foot, driving, cutting across the middle, but opted to make a really silly pass rather than than shoot. So um, not a great showing from Sané either. But either way, uh, they came in the 70th minute. Benjamin Pavar then went through a couple minute span where he will probably regret his his actions. Uh, just outside the box, he fouled Nkunku, got his boot up too high, hit Nkunku in the back of the head. It wasn't a vicious kick to the head or anything like that. Nkunku pretty much bent down into it, which smart play for him. Either way, Sabasloy took the free kick and hit it. Uh, it was Cheeky little attempt there. He hit it right at Summer, but it was from such an angle and had good bend on it that it was a tough play for Summer. So uh, Sabasoli did his job on that. Ultimately, though, the way things would play out, uh, Pavar would eventually get carded uh, for a foul on Nkunku in the box. 
Nkunku stepped to the penalty spot in the 76th minute, made it 2-1 as he drilled a shot right down the middle. Summer guessed, I believe, he was going right with it, uh, but Nkunku hit it down the middle. It was 2-1, and you could really sense that Bayern Munich did not have enough tank to battle back at this point. It's almost like they let the air out of the balloon because there was zero fight. Thomas Muller was really trying to egg his boys on. And, and I'm not saying this, like, oh, listen, I'm not in the Muller mafia or anything like that, but he was showing some passion and some fight and the rest of the team looked completely deflated. I'm not going to trash Tuchel too much for his subs, but I thought they were ill-timed in a match that mattered this much. I don't know how you could gamble and risk making, uh, bringing in a player like Gravenberg, who you haven't really used all year into a situation where you needed something to happen. And again, Goretzka wasn't great by any means. I thought he was okay, but I don't know that I would have went with that substitution there because it, it offered way more risk than reward in the scenario. In the 77th minute, Tuchel sensing things were desperate and that Kingsley Coman was not having his own best match, which Coman, I think, has hit a wall for this season. Uh, he was excellent. I think he's been a little bit off. He wasn't his normal disruptive self, and this can happen with wingers who are reliant on their speed. Sometimes you wake up with heavy legs. Sometimes you just don't have it. And if your legs are heavy when your game is predicated on speed, you're going to have a tough one. I did not think Coman was good today. But either way, Tell came in, and at this point, Tuchel knew he needed a goal. Unfortunately, in the 86th minute, <laughs> there was a handball called on Nusar Mizrahi, who got a little bit sloppy with the way he was controlling his arms in the box. Ball deflected off of his arm and set Dominic Sabaslai up for a PK, which he drilled into the corner. 3-1, at this point, you knew Byron was done. They had nothing left in the tank. Uh, there was virtually no shot. They were going to get two goals to draw, make it the game a draw, let alone three to make it a win. Two goal went to the bench again, bringing in Upa Makano for Kinsello, who offered very little in the second half. Um, I, I don't know what happened to Kinsello at halftime. I don't know if it was just wear and tear or he was tired, but he was not the same player. thought he was really good in the first half, like really, really good. But in the second half, he was terrible. And the the, the way he was attacking and helping – when Byron's offense is flowing, I should say, and he's helping with the attack, he looks great. When you're relying on him to defend, he's not so great. And I don't think that he had a, a great second half, and that was another contributing reason why Byron fell apart. Listen, Pavar was made some horrendous decisions. The Licks positioning was not great. Mesrally was not great. Th this was not a stellar game for the back line at all. But either way, they were facing 3-1. They brought in Upamakano for Cancelo. Sadio Mane came in for Mizrahi, which was kind of funny at that point. Like, why even bother? Uh, 87th minute, we did see Marco Rosa go to the bench with Lucas Klosterman and Amdou Diallo both coming into the match. And that's how things would end. There was five minutes of extra time, and Bayern really could not mount much there. 3-1 final score. Let me just start firing off some takes on this. So, as I said during that little recap, Bayern Munich was really good in the first half. They did a lot of good things, and they really seemed like they were asserting themselves and in control of it. But something happened at halftime. They came out flat. They came out unfocused, and they got sloppy. All of the great attacking that Kinsella was doing, all the offense he was creating from left back went out the window. 
he was not a good defender in the first half and he got worse as the game went on. Positioning definitely got sloppy. Uh, you weren't really getting anything from the attackers. Uh, listen, I will tell you this. Uh, Coman offered little to nothing. Gnabry was good early, but then faded heavily. Musiala, again, he had chances, didn't convert them, did not look great, was not that impactful. Thomas Muller was by far their best attacker, and he's not even playing the 10 spot where he should be. So I'm going to I'm gonna take a second here to, to talk about that because that lies on the shoulders of Thomas Tuchel. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was doing. But taking this match against a very good opponent and then deciding to really not use a striker. And at this point, Gnabry is their striker. To play him at left wing after he had some success playing up top made no sense. Continuing to roll a struggling Jamal Musiala out playing the 10 makes no sense. Pushing Thomas Muller to play the nine does not make sense. None of that made any sense. And sure, it looked good early. But once Arbe Leipzig woke up, Bayern Munich found it very difficult to really do anything. I am just, I'm very confused about what is going on with everything right now. And it seems like sacrilege because if you criticize Musiala in certain circles, like uh, you're just being hard on the kid, blah, blah. No, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good for quite some time now. It doesn't mean you have to keep rolling him out and letting him play the same position. I really do want to know, is this him driving it that he will not play a different position or is this Tuchel refusing to do the obvious and put the kid in a spot where he might be able to have some success using those skills that come most natural to him, which is taking people on 1v1 and creating offense. He can't do that at this moment for whatever reason while playing the 10 spot. Even his movement off the ball is not great right now. In a couple of instances today, he had opportunities to make passes and he was forcing things. In one particular uh, instance, he did he had his head down completely and he was determined to get a shot off. And even though he had three defenders and a fourth closing in on him, he didn't pull his head up to even see who was open. And in a match like this, that is a vital, vital thing. Like make the extra pass, get the goal and move on. So I didn't like what I saw from Musiala. This has been a, a trend with him that has gone on where he has not been good, where he has made some selfish decisions and where he has really struggled, you can tell with his own confidence. So I don't understand why Tuchel keeps rolling him out there, putting him in the same spot and hoping for a different result. It's not happening this season. And at some point, you have to put the blame over on Tuchel for continuing to do those same types of things. Whatever happened, aside of the attack falling off the table and the energy levels dropping, whatever happened at halftime there, has to be examined. Why couldn't this team in what really was the most important game of the season? Now, there's been several most important games of the season, but this one right now was the most important game. Of the season. Why couldn't they respond to him? What went wrong at halftime that caused this whole collapse? We'll never know that. I don't know if anyone will speak to the media about it. Maybe we'll see it in some of the post-game reactions, but things went off. They never got back on and Leipzig took over the game. And for a second here, I want to go all the way back to March because this collapse that Bayern Munich has gone on, failing in the DFB Pokal, failing in the Champions League, and potentially now failing to win the Bundesliga 
This all goes back to the horrendous decision to fire Julian Nagelsmann at this stage of the season. It was an overconfident, cocky, quite frank, quite frankly, I mean, it was a decision that should have never been made. This is something that only the most arrogant of people would have made that decision and thought it was going to work. Now, you can point to the fact they thought they would not be able to get Tuchel after the season, but they prioritized the potential of not getting someone they might want to coach at some point over this season. And we're looking, we're looking at you, Brazo. We're looking at you, Herbert Heiner. And we're looking at you, Oliver Kahn. T- terrible decision. And it set the tone for this massive collapse. And let's be honest, there is no other way to define what has happened over the past two months other than collapse. Failing in the day of Bo- Bay Pokal was bad enough. Facing off against Manchester City with a new coach trying to get a feel for his players and not really even understanding what he had on the team that was a massive mistake. But to put this team in a position to fail in the Bundesliga after they had worked hard to assert themselves and take control of the league, someone has to be accountable for that. I'm not going to sit here and call for anyone's job. That's not what I do. I don't call for people to be fired. I don't call for anybody like that to lose their gig. But you do have to be held accountable. And if any of them were involved in the decision-making process, which we know they were, they have to answer questions. And yes, that includes Heiner, who seems to be skating free on this while Khan and Brazo take the heat on just about everything. And let's not forget that you have Uli Honus pulling the strings up there as the puppet master, having way more of a say in this club than someone who is basically an emeritus president and on the supervisory board should have at this point. Like right now, if Khan and Brazo and Heiner, they are the triumvirate leading this club, they need to be one, be held accountable for their decisions. And two, they need to stick to what they're doing without outside influences. Uli Honus and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge were terrific together. In many ways, I wish they were still running the club. Now, they've reached a point in their own careers where they could not do that to the in the way that they wanted to with the time that was required to do it. And that's, you have to respect that decision. But at that point, when you back out, you back out. You're now out. Can't keep pulling the strings. And I do wonder how much of Uli's influence is making this job harder on people like Khan and Brazo because they owe him so much as he was very instrumental in them getting hired. So this whole thing, the Firing of Nagelsmann, a mistake. The hiring of Tuchel at that time, you know, they're tied together, a mistake. It doesn't mean that you couldn't have fired Nagelsmann after the season. Hell, if you thought he was going to flame out, what was the worst that was going to happen? The worst that was going to happen is this. It was this. It was losing in the DFB Pokal, losing in the Champions League, and potentially losing the league title. Horrendous, horrendous decision. The board should be held accountable for it. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means people will lose their jobs. I don't know anything about how this will play out. But what I do know is it's totally unacceptable. It was a disastrous decision and it tanked this season. And now Bayern Munich is in this unenviable position, hoping that Borussia Dortmund is going to fail, that they are going to show that their weak mentality is going to seep through once again. And yes, it could happen. It absolutely could happen that Augsburg or Mainz or both 
are able to take out Dortmund. Will it happen? I, I don't know. I'm starting to lean toward this is just the year that Dortmund does it because in a funny way, I think this is maybe the weakest Dortmund group that they've had in recent memory. It's not that they're a bad team, and I don't want it to seem like that. I just don't think of all the years where I look at Dortmund and I say that's a championship caliber team, I did not look at them this year and say that. In fact, I quite frankly don't know how they're doing it this year under Eden Terzic other than he manages to find some way to draw the best out of them when they need it. Can he do it for two more games? The pressure is on them. How will they respond to it? And, and the irony of ironies, you'll have Mats Hummels, who probably won't get a ton of playing time. Maybe he will. I, I don't know. But he's going to be the big voice in that locker room trying to push Dortmund over the edge. And that would really be something considering it seems like Bayern Munich has gone out of its way to start to push the Bayern voice out of the club. Thomas Muller has taken a reduced role. The native Bavarian <laughs> Julian Nagelsmann gets fired. You've you've lost two longtime big voices in Rumenega and Honus that were big influences in the club because they had to retire. It would just be a little bit funny to me to see an ex-Bayern Munich player like Hummels be one of the voices leading the charge to help get Dortmund over the line. And of course, Nicholas Sula also playing a key role there as well. I'm pissed. Uh, I'm pissed that I had to watch that collapse. It was it was not good. And that's a funny way to say it. Not good. It was terrible. But if you watched how this has all played out since March, since that decision was made, you could you had to see this was a possibility. So Bayern Munich collapsing like they have and now being utterly reliant on a fail by Dortmund to capture a Bundesliga title, it's embarrassing. I think there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of people that are going to have to to take a step back, take a look in the mirror and think about what they did, why they did it. They're going to have to examine how this all went wrong, and they're going to have to look at how they address personnel. Do some of these players maintain the mentality needed at Bayern Munich? Can you afford to have people bitching about playing time, complaining in their first year at the club about playing time when they haven't established themselves? Can you afford to keep trying to cram pieces into a roster without knowing if they're going to fit? And at some point, you have to start looking at the fit of these players you bring in. Are players talented? Absolutely. Bayern Munich does not miss on that. They genuinely and generally get good and talented players to bring in and complement the roster. But do they fit? And that's one thing that we're seeing that some of the players, no matter how talented they are, they just don't fit for what Bayern Munich needs. And that has all kind of set this up for something like this to happen. Because when you have some ill-fitting parts, you go through last summer and you walk away with no striker and hope that Sadio Mane can fill some void that no one else thinks he can except you. I, I don't know what you expected. And then you really just go over the top and make things worse by firing Nagelsmann. It's such a, a vital point in the season. If you didn't like him that much, just wait until afterwards. Let him fail on his own accord. You didn't do that. You forced the issue and now you have nothing. So this has all led to this point. Now Bayern Munich fans are... Some of those fans who left the stadium early are now going to have to sit on their hands and they're going to have to wait. They're going to have to see how Borussia Dortmund does against Augsburg and they're going to have to hope like hell that Augsburg and Mainz can come up with some magic and that Dortmund totally chokes this one up. Again, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but things do not look good for Bayern Munich. 
that'll about do it for this podcast. It probably went a little bit longer than it should have, but this is a day to vent. It's a day to be pissed. It is a day that people should look back and start to think about this season and how it all fell apart. Because as a fan, you should not be happy. This is not one of those times where you should be the club over everything, no matter what the result is. No, you have a right to be pissed about this. You have a right to be angry about how it played out. Many of you sat there and you saw the decision, even if you didn't like Nagelsmann, which many of you did not, you saw it as a big mistake to do it at that time. The club needs to be held accountable for it. And if they fail to win the league, it's just another example of the arrogance seeping through the organization. And it also probably puts the new anointed chosen one in Thomas Tuchel on a very big hot seat for next season. I think there are a lot of people that would probably say Tuchel is in a bad spot because if he gets off to a slow start next year, he could be canned by October, which again, this is mistake after mistake after mistake with coaching and personnel decisions. So how much more runway do you get if you keep making that many mistakes? Certainly, uh, it seems like that is is running out for some of the decision makers and they're going to have to figure things out quickly and make sure that next season gets off to a much, much better start. You can always get me on Twitter at the barrel blog. You can get the site at Bavarian FB works. You can get our tweet Meister, Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71. You can get, I need no name at BFW check out our site, BavarianFootballWorks.com. We're going to have all of the game coverage. You're going to hear and see a lot of stories, a lot of reactions. I'm sure that we are going to be hitting this in depth. So stick with us, check out the site all day. Sorry you had to sit through that one. I know I wish there was a better way I could have spent my afternoon here in the East Coast of the U.S., but I did what you all did. I sat there and watched, and now I'm miserable. So uh, let's uh, try and pick it back up. Hopefully next week will be better and the season can close out and we can all turn the page and start to look forward to a rejuvenated 2023-2024 season. With that, we'll see you next time.